Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys here as we continue in a series that we actually started last week that we're calling um, Foolproof. And so like Sarah Beth said, if you're a guest with us this morning, thanks for being here. And, uh, and since you're just tuning in, basically what we've been doing in this series is um, we've been talking about the importance of wisdom. That's sort of been the main theme for this whole series. And so we've been looking at this Old Testament book that's called Proverbs. Um, that book is all about wisdom. We're kind of investigating that together. And in this uh, whole series, we're talking about the importance of wisdom, and together we are pursuing um, wisdom. And so the big idea for this whole series we introduced last week, if you were here, you might remember, the big idea, just quite simply put, has been um, this. We said that we oftentimes desire um, the result of wisdom when what we actually need is wisdom. And so last week as we began this series, we said that's kind of the big idea for this whole series, that for many of us, we desire the results of wisdom, but what we actually need is wisdom itself. So we actually need. And so if you're with us last week, we basically said that for many of us, if, if I was to ask you what's something that you believe would help improve your life, oftentimes we would answer that question with a change of circumstances, right? So we'd say, I need a new house, or I need a new car, I need a job, right? I need, I need a better job with more fulfillment, or I need a new relationship, I need a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or a husband, or a wife. That would improve my life, that would help me to flourish in life more, and oftentimes when we, when we think about that, we tend to answer um, with a change of circumstances. But last week what we said is we said a change of circumstance can be a very healthy thing and even a very helpful thing. But biblically, we said those are actually secondary things. And in the Bible, what we saw is we said that what we want is we want the results of wisdom, which are all of those things, a change of circumstance, what we actually need is wisdom itself. We need wisdom more than we know. And so last week we actually defined wisdom according to the Bible. We said wisdom in the Bible is a fascinating thing. Uh, wisdom is not simply knowledge. Um, it includes knowledge, but it actually is, goes further than knowledge. In the same way, we said wisdom is not just morality. It includes morality, but it goes further than morality. And so we defined wisdom this way. We said, quite simply put, wisdom is the skill of living. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the skill of living. So the word wisdom in the Hebrew language literally just means skill. And so wisdom is then the ability to flourish in life outside of and regardless of my circumstances. I thought it was interesting. Last week I had a conversation with a gentleman in the cafe um, after the service was done, and he said something I thought was so helpful. So we were talking about this idea of wisdom being um, the, the, the skill of living. And he said something that I thought was so great. He, he's a guitar teacher. And so he told me, he said, you know, as a guitar teacher, I have several students who come in, and they'll come with a song. And so they have a Taylor Swift song or a John Mayer song or something, and they'll say, can you teach me how to play this song? And I love what he said. He said, I oftentimes tell my students, I can either teach you how to play that song, right, that Taylor Swift song, or I can teach you the skill of guitar. And if I can teach you the skill of guitar, not only will you be able to play that song, but you'll be able to play any song. And I, I thought, man, that is a great picture of what the Bible is describing as wisdom because oftentimes we want the immediate result of wisdom when what we actually need is the wisdom that brings results, right? We, we say, man, I, wanna, I want a healthy and vibrant marriage. And God would say, I want, you, I want you to have a healthy and vibrant marriage, but I don't just want you to have the immediate result of that circumstance change. I want you to have the skill that's going to lead to that result, right? We say, man, I want to have a, a healthy financial situation, and God would look at you and say, you know what, I actually want that for you too. But rather than just giving you the immediate result of that circumstance change, I want you to have the skill that's going to lead to those results. We say, man, I want a good sex life. And God would actually say, I want that for you too. 
But I don't just want you to have the immediate result of that. I want you to have the skill that's going to lead to those results. And that is what wisdom is. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's the ability to flourish in, in and every circumstance, regardless of any circumstance that you face in life. And so we said last week, wisdom is actually something that we need much more than we think we need. And, uh, and yet it's something that very few of us are probably actually pursuing. And it's really been our hope that this year, that Grace Church, for every person in this room, even if you're a first-time guest with us, that, that for every person, we said our hope is that it is at near the top of your list in 2015 of things that you are pursuing this year would be wisdom. That more than just a change of circumstances, right? That more than just uh, becoming healthier, having a better financial situation, or getting a new job, or that at the very top of that list might be wisdom. Because if we get wisdom, we have the skill of living, which leads to the results of the life that God desires for us to have. And so it's because of that we've been going through this series, been going through the book of Proverbs, kind of talking about um, that together. And uh, I would just encourage you, by the way, that if you missed last week's conversation, I would highly encourage you to go to our website. Um, you can find our website there in the program. And if you would listen to or watch last week's sermon, I think you'd find it very helpful. Um, that's all free for you. You can get the podcast if you want to, listen to it when you're jogging or when you're on your car ride to work or whatever. And I'd encourage you to do that because we laid a lot of foundational work last week that I think would be helpful to understanding the series. And last week we even gave a challenge to everyone. And if, you're, if it's your first time here, I would, I would encourage you to jump in on this challenge. We actually challenged everyone in the church to read through the book of Proverbs um, over the course of this series. And so I want to encourage you to do that too. You can actually jump in right now. And basically the book of Proverbs is set up. There's 31 chapters. And so you can read a proverb a day. And so whatever the date is, you can just jump in. So for example, it's the 18th, right? It's January 18th. You can jump in, read Proverbs 18, and you can go through the whole book of Proverbs that way. We kind of challenged everyone um, to do that. This week, as we continue in this pursuit and in this conversation about wisdom, we actually want to talk about something that's a little bit different. We want to talk about what the book of Proverbs is going to tell us is the opposite of wisdom. So today we want to talk about the opposite of wisdom. And here's what's really fascinating. In the book of Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs is going to tell us something I think is really interesting. He's going to tell us this. He's going to tell us that if we do not pursue wisdom, if we do not intentionally, personally, and purposefully pursue wisdom in our lives, that we are inadvertently choosing something else. And what the, what the writer of Proverbs is going to tell us is this. If you're not purposefully pursuing wisdom in your life, that you may be inadvertently pursuing the opposite of wisdom. And what is the opposite of wisdom? Here's what it is. It is foolishness or folly. If you've been reading through the book of Proverbs, you've probably noticed that term comes up a lot. Folly and foolishness. And the writer of Proverbs is going to tell us that's the opposite of wisdom. And if we don't choose to purposefully pursue wisdom in our lives, we actually might be choosing foolishness. Now, here's what we're going to find it out. I'll just tell you where we're going. Today, I want to kind of do a survey of the book of Proverbs, and I want to show you that in the course of the book of Proverbs, that there are three categories of foolishness that are depicted through the book of Proverbs, three categories, okay? So there's three different characters that you're going to find throughout the book of Proverbs, and each one of these are a depiction of foolishness. Now, as we go through these, you're going to realize that they increase in severity, so we're going to go from the least foolish to the most foolish. We're going to see these three categories um, of foolishness as we sort of go through this together. Now, let me just say, before we get into those categories, we're going to take some time and do that. I think it would be important for us just to do a little bit of, of, of uh, preface the conversation a little bit. Okay, so let me do that. All right, so um, I need to tell you that what we're about to jump into and the words of, of the author in the book of Proverbs that we're about to look at today, um, they are brutally honest. 
All right, so Solomon today, he does not pull punches. He does not mince words. And, and because of that, I think I just need to warn you that for some of you, the ideas that he's going to communicate, and we're going to see in this, the passage we look at today, um, may be offensive to some of you. They may actually offend you. And the reason I want to tell you that is because I, I actually want to challenge you. Right? If, you, if you find yourself today at some point feeling offended, I want to challenge you not to tune out and not to disengage in a conversation. Right? I want to challenge you to, to endure through it, and here's why. Last week, we said, the writer of Proverbs told us that wisdom is not a passive um, endeavor, that if you, want, if you want to find wisdom, it requires persistence, um, it requires hard work. In other words, what the writer of Proverbs tells us is that wisdom is not going to come find you. You have to go find it. Solomon tells his son, son is going to cost you everything you have to find wisdom, but I want you to have it, so go get it. And, and listen, I think that if you and I are willing to endure a little, a little bit of a discomfort, some honest words, if we're willing to take an honest, hard look in the mirror and even endure a little bit of offensiveness, I believe it is well worth it for the reward that comes at the end, which is wisdom. Right, so I want to encourage you, if you feel offended, that's okay, but rather than squirm in your chair or disengage or close your ears off, I want to challenge you to engage and endure through it, persistence. Right? And here's the second thing I want to say. Because this is such an honest conversation, um, one of the things that I think many of us do, myself included, is we tend to make it about somebody else, all right? And so as we go through these three categories, I'm just telling you, there's going to be a temptation for you to make this about other people. To be like, oh, that sounds just like my mother-in-law. Oh, that sounds just like my husband. Oh, that's just like my teenager, okay? So because of that, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to instate today, this is a, no, a no-nudge Sunday, all right? So no nudging. Can't nudge the person next to you. No shooting glances at your teenager, right? None of that during this service, all right? So can we just make a deal? This is the deal. Today is about you personally. It's about me personally. This is you and God looking at the Bible, getting insight into our own hearts. We're going to talk about those three categories of wisdom. Now, let me encourage you to grab your Bibles if you got them and go to Proverbs chapter 1. That's where I want you to turn. Proverbs chapter 1, if you would turn there with me. And uh, by the way, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you're going to find Proverbs chapter 1 on page 438 in those Bibles that we have there. And you can flip to Proverbs chapter 1. Just go ahead and hold it open. Now let me just tell you that today, since we're doing kind of an overview of the book of Proverbs, I'm just going to warn you, we're going to be jumping around all over in the book of Proverbs. And so rather than you flip all over the place, I'm actually going to put most of the verses up on the screen. So that way you don't have to flip around. So if you take notes, you can jot down some of these references. And we're going to end in Proverbs chapter 1. All right, so you can take Proverbs chapter 1, open it, hold it on your lap, and we'll get there. But we're going to look at a few other verses. So, three categories of foolishness, according to the book of Proverbs. Let's start at the top. The first category that we're going to see in the book of Proverbs of foolishness is a character that the Bible calls the simple. All right, the simple. Um, if you have different translations, some of your translations might call this person the naive. Now, when you read through the book of Proverbs, as some of you guys have been doing in this series, uh, you'll notice that several times there is a person that is mentioned, there's a character that's mentioned that is called the simple. Now, here's a definition of the simple. The simple is a person who lacks wisdom. Right? They lack wisdom, but it's simply because they lack experience and they lack the knowledge of wisdom. Right? So the simple person or the naive person is a person who lacks wisdom, but it's not because they have bad intentions, it's not because they're arrogant or they're stupid, it's not because they have a bad attitude, it's none of those things, it's just quite simply because they don't know, all right? That's simple. So if you think about the definition of the term naive, 
right? That's exactly what it is. I don't know because I don't know. It's not because I know better. It's not because I'm, I'm arrogant or, you know, I'm, I'm egotistical. It's just because I lack the information. And so let me just show you a couple of the characteristics um, of the simple person according to the book of Proverbs. So here, here's the first one, and we already mentioned this, but here's the first thing about the simple. They lack experience. The simple person lacks experience. So Proverbs chapter 7, verse 7, Solomon says, I saw among the simple, there's our word. Some of you have translations that say naive. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He had no sense. Um, Some translations put it this way. He had no common sense. He lacked common sense. Some say he lacked judgment. Here's the idea. The idea is that he lacked experience. He lacked the knowledge of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 7, by the way, when you read Proverbs chapter 7, what you see is Solomon paints a picture for us of a young man who's about to make an incredibly foolish decision one that he's going to regret for the rest of his life. And the Bible tells us that the reason he makes that foolish decision is not because he has bad intentions, it's not because he's arrogant or because he's disobedient, it's just because he doesn't know any better. The Bible calls that simplicity, right? Now, I want you to notice something else in this this verse, and um, you're going to notice this when you go through the book of Proverbs as well, is that oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes the simple, that category, is associated with youthfulness, usually, right? And, and, and so here it says the young man was a simple man. Now, I know that if you're a young person in this room, if you're a, if you're a middle school student or a teenager or a college student, that when, when, when you hear that, um, that might sound offensive to you, that simpleness is oftentimes associated with youthfulness, but it's not intended to be an insult. It's just a reality, right? And let's just face it. It's true, isn't it? That when you're younger... Um, you just lack experience, not for any other reason except for the fact that you haven't lived life long enough to experience some of the things that life has to throw at you, right? Isn't it true that when you're younger, you lack knowledge of wisdom, not because you're stupid, has nothing to do with your IQ, it's just simply because you haven't had the same longevity in life that other people have had. So the Bible tells us that a lot of times, simplicity is associated with youthfulness, but that's not always the case, Because the Bible's going to tell us that all of us, every single one of us, regardless of your age, are simple in some area of life. All of us lack experience. We lack knowledge of wisdom in some area of our lives. So I'll just use myself as an example. When I look at my own life, I'll just admit to you guys, there are several areas in my life where I am simple, where I lack experience, where I lack knowledge. And my wife would say, amen. A lot of areas. So I'll just give you a few. One of the areas where I am simple is as it relates to, the, to, the, to, to loss, right? And, and I know for some of you um, who are in this room, you have experienced loss, uh, unexpected loss of a loved one, um, maybe uh, kind of like a before their time. So maybe you lost your parents in an unexpected way, kind of happened before their time. They were young. Or maybe you lost a spouse. Um, or man, God forbid, you lost a child, or went through a miscarriage or something like that. And I, I'll just be the first to admit it. I've lost people in my life, but it's never been unexpected like that. It's never been before their time. And when it comes to that, I am, I am simple. I lack experience. I can't, I can't even fathom the pain, the hardship that accompanies loss on that level. I'm not going to pretend that I know that. I don't understand that. And I also lack the knowledge of wisdom in those areas. I don't know the best way 
to relate to someone who's lost. I, I might say something insensitive, and I don't mean to. I didn't mean to. I just don't know any better. Right? I'm simple in some areas. Uh, I, I've never raised teenagers before. Never raised teenagers. I have little guys. I have a five-year-old, and I, I have a four-year-old. And every time I talk to someone who has teenage children, and they see me with my kids, you know what they say to me? They say, enjoy it while it lasts. Because <laughs> it's all going away. You know? um, but no, no, they're like, you know, it's going to change. And there's, more, there's, there's different challenges that come later on in life. And time goes fast, and you've got to take advantage of this opportunity. And, and do I, I, I'm simple as it relates to that. Quite honestly, you guys, I'm simple as it relates to leading a congregation. This is our second year doing this. I've never led a congregation before. And so there is a lot of areas where I am just, I'm just blind. I don't know. I, don't, I lack knowledge in certain things. Now, is it an insult to be simple? Doesn't have to be. It can be. Doesn't have to be. If you're willing to admit there's areas in my life that I'm simple in, and you're willing to pursue wisdom and get experience from other people, and, and seek out people, wise counsel, seek out God's word in your life in those areas, then it doesn't have to be an insult. And the Bible says, when the simple seek wisdom, they become wise. When the simple seek prudence, they become wise, is what the Bible tells us. And so it doesn't have to be an insult when you're simple. But the Bible does tell us this. It says, if you realize you're simple, and all of us are, remember, we gotta look at our own hearts. All of us are simple in certain areas. The Bible says, if you realize you're simple, but you are unwilling to pursue wisdom in the areas that you're simple in, the Bible says, oh, you're a fool. You're being a foolish person because what you're saying is ignorance is bliss and I'll figure it out as I go. And the Bible says that if you do not pursue wisdom in your simplicity, you are inadvertently, you inadvertently may be choosing foolishness and you might make a wreck of your life, not because you mean to, not because you had bad intentions, not because you're disobedient, just because the Bible would say, you're simple, and you need to find wisdom in those areas. In fact, Solomon is going to tell us um, that if there's an area of your life that you're simple in and you don't pursue wisdom in that area, you are at risk of, of a characteristic of the simple. I put it this way in your notes. You're at the risk of being, of being fully confident but totally oblivious. You're at the risk of being totally confident but completely oblivious. Look at, look at some of these verses. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15 says, The simple believe anything but the prudent give thought to their steps. So it says if you're a simple person, you're not willing to pursue wisdom, you're susceptible to getting taken advantage of, you're susceptible for falling for things, and you might make a wreck of your life. Not, not because you meant to, but because you just didn't know any better. Right? Look at this next proverb. By the way, this is an awesome proverb. If you're looking for some scripture to memorize, I think this is a great one. Proverbs 22.3. The prudent see danger and take refuge. Now, by the way, prudent... That means wise, discerning, good judgment, careful. That's what it means. The prudent see danger, I love this, and they take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Right, this is the picture of a person that is fully confident and totally oblivious. So the Bible says, man, a wise person, a prudent person, they see danger, right? And then they take refuge. So, so, the, so the prudent person, the wise person says, man, if I keep going down this road financially... I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to adjust, make some change in my life. The prudent person says, man, if I keep going down this road sexually, it's going to cause some serious problems in my life. So I'm going to readjust. I see danger down that way. So I'm not going to go that way. If I keep going this way with my health patterns in my life, 
then it's gonna lead to a certain place. If I keep going with this habit, it's gonna lead to certain uh, places in my health, and so I'm gonna take refuge. But the Bible says that the simple, look at this next thing, the simple keep going and they pay the penalty. This is the picture of someone being fully confident and totally oblivious. This is the picture of a person skipping down the road whistling right off a cliff. Why? Is it because they had bad intentions? Nope. Is it because they're stupid? No. It's just because they didn't know. And the Bible says that the cure to simplicity is wisdom. And we have to acknowledge simplicity and then pursue wisdom in those areas. So here's a question I want to ask you, because remember, this is a mirror. We're looking at this. We're looking at these three categories, not as ammunition so we can judge other people in our lives. We're looking at this so we can look look at the mirror of our own heart. And here's the question I have for you. Where are the areas in your life where you are simple, right? What are the areas in your life where you lack wisdom and you need wisdom? What are the areas in your life where you lack experience, right? And then here's the better question. Don't just recognize those, but how are you pursuing wisdom in those areas? Have you gotten to a place where you're just like, I'm fine, you know, whatever, you know, ignorance is bliss. I'll figure it out as I go. The Bible says if you decide to do that, you might inadvertently, if you're not pursuing wisdom, you may be inadvertently choosing foolishness and you might make a wreck of your life and you might not even know it. And the Bible says, man, we don't want, what Solomon says to his son is, I don't want you to do that. In fact, one of the reasons that Solomon wrote this book, he said, is to give prudence to the simple and to give knowledge to the young. And so one of the, one of the things we have to do is pursue wisdom in the areas of simplicity. So the first category of foolishness, according to scripture, is simplicity. It's the simple. Here's the second category, and as I said, you're going to see these kind of grow in severity. So here's the second uh, type of foolishness that's depicted in the book of Proverbs. It's a category that's simply called the fool. The fool, all right? Now the fool, let me just give you a quick definition. The fool is a person who knows what's wise, but they ignore wisdom. So whereas the simple person lacks wisdom, but it's simply because they don't know. They lack experience, they lack the knowledge of wisdom. The fool, on the other hand, they do not lack experience. They have experience. They just haven't learned from their experience. The fool is a person, they have wisdom. They know it's right. They're just unwilling to do it. And they continue to choose the foolish thing over and over and over again. The Bible calls this person a fool. Now, one of the things you're going to see in the book of Proverbs, and this is kind of a fun exercise if you're a dorky person like me, is when you're going through the book of Proverbs, circle the amount of times that you see the word simple, circle the amount of times you see the word fool, and circle the amount of times we're going to see the other category at the end. Just circle it and just see how many times the book of Proverbs brings these up. But the fool, a person who knows what's wise but ignores wisdom. Here's some of the characteristics of the fool according to the Bible. And there's so many verses about the fool, it was kind of hard to condense it down, but I'll just give you a few. Um, The Bible tells us that the fool is hard-headed and stubborn. A hard-headed, stubborn person who's bent on doing the foolish thing regardless of what experience has taught them and regardless of what wise counsel tells them. So here's just a couple verses. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. That's powerful. The complacency of fools will will destroy them. Think about that. What is complacency? Here's what complacency is. Complacency is, I'm fine the way I am. Don't need to change anything. I'm totally fine, right? And I know there's unhealthy patterns in my life, and I know I'm making some foolish decisions, but honestly, I don't care. I'm fine the way I am. And the Bible says the complacency of fools is what's going to destroy them, is what's going to bring them 
down. Look at this next one. This is such a great visual picture. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, ugh, so fools repeat their folly. Man, isn't that great? I mean, it's gross. But it's great, isn't it? I mean, what a great picture. Did you guys ever see a dog do this, by the way? Man, is it troubling. I, I grew up, I had dogs growing up, and all of them did this. I don't think I've ever met a dog who doesn't do this. And it is so gross. I remember I'd watch my dogs do this. I had one thing go through my mind every time I saw it. The one thing I kept thinking was, man, why? Why? You have dog food. Why are you eating your own vomit? It's so gross. And, and, and I think, man, what a great picture, because Solomon's saying, yeah, that's what a fool's like. You watch him, and you're like, why? Why do you keep making that disgusting decision in your life? You know where it leads. You know where it came from. It's so gross, you know? And, and why do you do it? And it's such a great picture the Bible sees. And this brings up a really great point, by the way. The Bible teaches us that foolishness is not an intellectual designation. It's actually a chosen outlook in life. That is to say this, it does not matter how smart you are. You could be the smartest person in the room. You could be a genius, and you could still be a total fool. Because foolishness is all about a decision that you make to continue to go back time and time, repetitively, repetitively in, in, in this vicious cycle of making these same decisions that you know are foolish. Look what the Bible says about the fool in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 23. It says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. The Bible says that one of the reasons that the fool continues doing the same thing over and over again is because they think it's fun. And the fool oftentimes will choose the momentary pleasure and the temporary thrill of foolishness, even though they know it's going to lead to disaster and harm in their life, over the long-term benefit of wisdom. And they'll continue, and if you try to rationalize with a person like this, they'll just tell you that you can't do it. You can't do it because they'll just say, I don't care. It's fun. I don't care. It's fun. So you'll say, man, don't you remember what happened last time you did that? Don't you remember what happened? Remember the regret? Remember the pain? Yeah. And you're going to do it anyway? Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's fun. I don't care. I don't care. This is the person, when you go to them, you say, Wait a minute, you're going, you're going to go where? You're going to go to that party? Last time you went to an environment like that, to a party like that, you remember what happened? Yeah. You remember it took you like two days to recover? You remember that night you made some decisions that you really regret? In fact, to this day, some of the deepest regrets that you've ever made was that night. Remember that? Yeah. And you're going to do it anyway? Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's fun. And I don't care. It's my life. I'll live it how I want to. This is a person that you say, man, you're going to do what with your money? What, you're going to spend it on what? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, don't you remember what happened last time you made an impulsive buy like that? Don't you remember what, ha- what happened last time you bought that thing you couldn't afford and they made a great deal and they, you know, they said zero down and you made it anyway? And you remember what that caught? Remember how you got in trouble financially? You got behind on your payments. You had to foreclose your house. Remember that? Yeah. And you're still going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I want to. But that's a bad decision. I don't care. I don't care. It's my life. I'm going to do exactly what I want, and I don't care what other people think. This is the person that you look at him and you say, man, don't you remember what happened in your first marriage? Don't you remember when you made that decision? Remember what happened? Yeah, I don't care. This is the person you say, man, don't you remember what the doctor said? The doctor said if you keep that habit going, if you don't stop, if you don't start new habits in your life, that it might actually cost you your health. 
it might actually cost you your life. Yeah. And you're going to keep doing it? You're going to keep eating that way or continue it? Yeah. Why? I don't care. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want. Now, the Bible says that if that's the pattern you're in, if there's areas of your life where you're like, I know the right thing, I'm just not going to do it, the Bible would say, you are a fool. Now, I know when I say that, for some of you, that sounds like a very offensive thing. But here's the ironic thing. This is ironic. Is for some of you, when I say that, this is what you think. You think, I know. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, that's the first thing you said that I agree with all day. I don't care what you say. Now, if that's the case, let me just say, let me just say this, okay? And if you don't listen to anything else I say for the rest of the sermon, please, please, just hear me on this. I hope you catch this point. Because Solomon says there is a characteristic of the fool that when we choose foolishness that oftentimes we do not think about. And I hope you catch this because for you and I, in the places that we're a fool, my hope is that these verses will be a wake-up call to us. Here's what Solomon says is another characteristic of the fool. He says that the fool is a person, okay, that their decisions impact and hurt others. The decisions of a fool hurt others. Let me just give you a couple verses. You guys, these are hard verses. Proverbs 10.1. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Isn't that true, by the way, if you have kids? When your kids are making wise choices, doesn't it bring joy to your heart? Isn't it just awesome? But man, it says, look, man, a foolish son brings grief to his mom. Look at this next verse. This one's really tough. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffer harms. The Bible says this. It says you might be the wisest person around. But there, there might be foolish people that are in your lives and you're suffering harm, not because of the foolish decision that you made, but because of the foolish decision that someone else made. And because of that, you're experiencing that. Listen, one of, the, one of the biggest misconceptions, if you're being foolish in an area of your life, one of the biggest misconceptions that a fool can have is that your decisions only affect you. And if you believe that, you are sorely disillusioned. But the decisions that you make, if you choose to make foolish decisions and you blow up your life, The truth of the matter is the relational shrapnel that results from that explosion will lodge itself in those who are the closest to you. Some of you know this because right now you're suffering harm not from a foolish decision you made but from a foolish decision someone else made. For some of you right now, you're suffering harm because of a foolish decision that your kid made. You're you're suffering harm from a foolish financial decision your parents made from a foolish sexual decision that your girlfriend or your boyfriend made. You're suffering harm because of the foolishness of another person. And the Bible says that oftentimes we will suffer harm because of the company of fools. It's a hard thing. It's really, really hard. And this, by the way, let me just do a quick aside here, just real quick. If you're a high school student or you're a middle school student, let me just let you in on something. This is, by the way, why your parents are so militant about who you hang out with. Uh, It's not because they hate you. Um, It's actually because they love you a lot. And they know something. They know that you might be the wisest person around, but if you're in the company of fools, you might suffer harm just because of the residual effects of their foolishness. Listen, if, if you're a young girl and you're dating a fool, if you might be really wise, if you're dating a foolish boy, all right, he doesn't care about his body. What makes you think he's going to care about yours? You might be hanging out with a crowd. You might be the wisest person, but if you're hanging out with a foolish crowd, if they don't care about their reputation, what makes you think they're going to care about yours? And so listen, the Bible tells us, man, the decisions of a fool don't just affect them, they affect those who are around them. So again, the temptation is to make this about someone else. We've got to look in the mirror. So here's the question I want to ask you. All right? The question is quite simply this. It's hard. What are the areas in your life where you are being foolish? 
That's a hard question. What are, the, what are the areas in your life where you know the right thing, you know the wise thing, but you don't care? It's fun. You choose the momentary thrill, the temporary pleasure over the long-term benefit of wisdom. What are the areas in your life where that's happening? You guys, here, here's the second question. And man, this is really hard. This is a hard question. But again, we've got to be willing to look in the mirror on this one. Here's a question. How are your foolish decisions affecting other people? And who are you hurting as a result of your foolish financial, relational, sexual, health decisions? Who are you harming in the process? Your kids, your spouse, your parents, your friends? Man, you guys, it's hard, but we have to look at that question. We have to talk about it. Now, this is heavy. I know this is a heavy conversation, so let me lighten it up a little bit real quick. As I was preparing this part of the message, this is, this is totally true. I'm not making this up. I was actually preparing this part of the message a couple weeks ago while I was waiting for my car to get fixed. So I'm in the, the waiting room or the lobby or whatever they call it, and I'm sitting there working on my computer, and I'm kind of typing stuff up, studying the fool, and guess what song came on the radio? I'm not even kidding here. The song came on the radio. You guys know this song, Everybody Plays the Fool? Did you ever hear that before? Everybody plays the fool. And I was like, no way, that's so ironic. And then I thought to myself, but you're right, Aaron Neville. Because he is right, right? In the same way that all of us in our lives at times are simple, all of us at times in our life are foolish. We play the fool. Everybody plays the fool. And, and, and listen, what Solomon is inviting us into is he's saying, Pursue wisdom in the areas of foolishness. Okay, so three categories of fool. You got the simple, all right? You got the fool. And now the last one. And this third one, by the way, as I said, is the most severe. This is the most foolish of the foolish. This is a, this is a category the Bible calls the mocker. The mocker. Um, some of you have translations that says the scoffer or the scorner. You might say that in your translation. You're going to find this all throughout the book of Proverbs. Here's a definition for you. The mocker is a person who knows what's wise and yet criticize wisdom. This is a person who knows what's wise, but they criticize wisdom. So whereas the fool hears the voice of wisdom and ignores it, the mocker hears the voice of wisdom and shouts back. Right? This is a critical, cynical, mocking person, the mocker. In fact, I thought it was really fascinating when I was studying the original word for mocker that's used in the Hebrew language, this is really weird, is a word that means to make a mouth. Isn't that weird? To make a mouth. But I thought about it. I thought, that makes sense, though. Isn't it true that when someone is mocking someone else, they always make a face, don't they? They make a mouth. So I pulled up some images that I think kind of are making a mouth, right? You mock someone, you make a mouth. So why don't we, just for fun, why don't we just, why don't you turn to someone next to you, make your best mocker mouth that you possibly can. Some of you guys aren't doing it because you're mockers. Anyway, so it's good stuff. Here's what the Bible says about mockers. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7 to 8 says they resent correction. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Proverbs fifteen twelve says mockers resent corrections that they avoid the wise. So again, where the fool hears correction and ignores it, the mocker hears correction and hates you for it. That's what the Bible says. So this is the person that when you correct them, they, their response is now, just who do you think you are? How dare you? Who are you to tell me what I ought to be doing? That's the mocker, according to Scripture. The mocker, according to Scripture, is critical and condescending. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 10. Drive out the mocker, how it goes strife, quarrels and insults are ended. So the Bible says that the mocker is a person that brings an atmosphere with them. 
The critical, condescending with them oftentimes comes divisiveness, quarrels, strife. And the Bible says that when a mocker leaves the room, that when they're driven out, everyone's just like, oh, it's just a relief. The atmosphere changes when this person comes and goes. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 24 says, the proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. Man, that's a crazy term. Insolent fury, that literally means presumptuous, prideful, overflowing rage. Here's the idea. He's saying that the mocker is the person who says, I'm the judge, I'm the jury, and I'm the one who, do, who, who, who gives the verdict on every person in my life, regardless of the fact that I have limited information, regardless of the fact that I don't know the whole story, I'm presumptuous, and I'm going to cast my verdict on you, and I'm frustrated, and I'm annoyed with you. So, that, so the mocker is the person who says, oh, I know exactly why she does that. And they make the mouth, right, when they do it. I know exactly why she does that. <laughs> right? She's just trying to get attention. <laughs> make the mouth. I know why he does that. He just thinks she's better than everybody else. I don't know what kind of mouth to make on that one, but <laughs> that's, that's the mocker. The Bible says they're critical and they're condescending. And what the Bible tells us is the Bible actually tells us in, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says to his son, he says, son, in my experience, I got to be honest with you, doesn't really go too well with the mocker. He says, in my experience, I haven't seen it go too. He's like, oftentimes the mocker is so far down the path of foolishness, they can't even recognize wisdom. Solomon actually tells his son, he's like, you know what, son? You'd be better not to mess with them. Don't correct them, you're wasting your time. That's what he says. Stay away from the mockers. He says, in fact, Solomon is actually going to say in the book of Proverbs that the only real benefit of having a mocker around is that when they get punished, it teaches the simple something. And that's all he says about the mocker. Right? Now, now, here's the honest question. Right? The most foolish of the foolish is the mocker. The question I want to ask you is, look in the mirror, man. Where in your heart is that guy hiding? Where do you see her hiding in your own spirit, the mocker? Are there areas of your life where you know you're choosing the foolish thing and someone that you really care about and loves you has tried to come into your life and speak truth and correction in you and your response was to hate them? How dare you tell me? And you know they're right. How dare you tell me? Maybe the mocker's in there somewhere. Are there areas of life where you're playing the judge and the jury? Even though you don't know all of it, you scoff at another person. It's a mocker in there. I'll tell you guys, this is hard stuff. And as I was going through this past week preparing, I just got out a pen and paper. I just wrote down all three categories. I just said, man, I'm going to take a look at my heart. I'm going to list the areas where I see these things. I got to tell you guys, man, it broke my heart because there are so many areas in my life where I see foolishness at play. So here's the question then. These three areas, the simple, the fool, the mocker. All right, so what do we do with all this? So maybe we've identified some of this in our own hearts. We've identified this in our own lives. So come on, what do we do next? What's my next step? What's the cure? What's the antidote to foolishness? Well, it's actually interesting. The book of Proverbs tells us that wisdom calls out to all three of these categories. Let me just show you what it says. Proverbs chapter one, I asked you to flip there earlier. Hopefully you can just glance down at it. Verse 20, it says this. We'll start in verse 20. It says, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. So remember last week we said in the book of Proverbs, it's very poetic, and wisdom is depicted as a woman. And the Bible says that she's standing up on a tall wall in front of the whole city, and she's shouting out, and she's making a case, and she's inviting everyone to listen to her words. And what is she saying? Look at this, verse 22. How long will you who are simple 
Love your simple ways. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? See, she's calling out to all three categories, to the simple, to the fool, and to the mocker. And what does she say to them? Look at this, verse 23. Repent at my rebuke. Repent. Now, the word repent, by the way, is a real churchy word. But quite simply, here's what it means. Repentance means an acknowledgement that I'm going in the wrong direction. And then it means a 180 turn away from that direction towards something else. So wisdom says, you who are simple and you realize you're simple, acknowledge that and then turn from that towards wisdom. Pursue wisdom. She says to the fool, how long are you going to hate knowledge? Acknowledge the foolish tendencies in your life, but it's not just enough to acknowledge it. You have to turn from it and begin pursuing wisdom. You who are foolish, who are mockers, she says, repent and turn. And she offers and invites. And by the way, I just tell you, wisdom is an offering that God is giving to every single one of us in this room. And he offers it to all of us, regardless if you are the simple, if you are the fool, or you're the mocker. But then watch this next part, verse 24. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Look at verse 28. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they, catch this, hated knowledge, and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. Here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that wisdom calls out to everybody, to all of us. God's grace is available to each and every single one of us, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what decisions you made, and wisdom calls out to you. But what wisdom says is hardly anyone takes that offer. Hardly anyone pursues that. And she says, but there will come a day. There's going to come a day when it's too late. There's going to come a day when, when you get to a place of regret and you say, man, I wish I had wisdom. And she'll say, but you can't now. And look what she says in verse 29. Since they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. And let me just close with this. And we'll talk about this more in the weeks to come. But I just want to mention this. In the Bible, in Proverbs, it tells us that there are a lot of characteristics of a wise person. A lot of them. But there is a key, there is a foundational aspect of a wise person according to the Bible. And that foundational purpose, the Bible tells us, is something called the fear of the Lord. Some of you guys are familiar, one of the most popular verses in all of Proverbs is in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what the Bible says is the beginning place of wisdom, the starting point of wisdom, the cure to folly, the antidote to simplicity, to foolishness, and to mockery is the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that mean to fear the Lord? Here's what it means quite simply. It means to respect, revere, and view God in his proper place. Here's what the fear of the Lord is. It's to wake up and say, I'm not God, and you are God. And so I give to you control. I want you to define my life. I want you to direct my life. I'm giving, I'm giving you access to every aspect of my life and I'm relying on you to define for me and I'm trusting you. Even in the places where it goes, it goes against my own intuition and even in the places in my life that it goes against popular consensus, I am choosing to trust God more than I trust myself or I trust others. And the Bible says when you have that, you have the key to wisdom. It's the starting place of it all. 
Proverbs chapter 3, I'll close with this last thing. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 8 puts it so well. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust God more than you trust yourself. In all of your ways, submit to him, and then he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. The Bible tells us if you want wisdom, the key to wisdom begins not with a question, but with a decision. A decision to say, I'm going to trust God more than I trust myself. Regardless of my intuition, regardless of what the consensus says, I'm going to believe God more than I believe myself. Now, I know for some of you that are in this room, you don't know where you're at with the whole God thing. You might not believe in God. I believe one of the greatest evidences that God is real is a life that's lived in consecration to him. And when you watch the fruit that comes, when a person dedicates themselves to living God's way, regardless of their own intuition and regardless of consensus, it is validity that God is true. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that when we give our lives over to God in this way, that God wants to make your life a masterpiece. That he can take all the foolish decisions that you've made in the past, all of the, all of the mocking decisions you made in the past, all the simple decisions that you made in the past, and he can redeem those. And he can maximize those for his glory and make your life a masterpiece. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And wisdom is the cure to foolishness. We have to admit it, acknowledge it, turn from it, and repent from it. It's what we need the most. Wisdom is something we need more than anything. And yet it's something that very few are pursuing. And my prayer is that it's something that we continue to pursue together. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for your words to us this morning. Guys, it's hard. This is hard. It's hard for us to look in the mirror and to be honest with ourselves. Lord, it's difficult to um, admit the areas where we find simplicity, where we find foolishness, and we find mockery in our own hearts. Father, the truth is, your grace is available to us all the time. And wisdom is available at any moment for any of us to grab. So God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, I know that, that between all of us in this room... We've made a lot of foolish decisions in our lives. But Father, I pray that we wouldn't be defined by those, but instead that we commit ourselves to turning to you and allow our lives to be defined by the wisdom that you give us. Father, we need your help. We need your grace. And Lord, that you offer us this wisdom and we receive it today. Father, I pray, I know that there's some of us in this room right now who are making decisions that are hurting other people. I pray you would give us the wisdom to know it's right Give us the courage and the confidence to do it. I pray that today's message wouldn't just sit on our ears, but it would move to our feet, that it would result in action, that we wouldn't just be convicted, that we wouldn't just realize that there's changes that need to be made, but God, that we would make those changes, that we would that we'd pursue those things. God, wisdom is something we have to go after, and I pray that you would give us the persistence to do it, the humility to do it, and the love of you, that the intimacy that would motivate it. So God, we pray these things and we trust you in Jesus' name, amen.